Grace, mercy, and peace to you. From God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus, the one whose power we see demonstrated in the miracles that we've been looking at in this series of messages um, here in the month of August, looking at the things that uh, Jesus does and how his power helps us identify his, the, the reality of him as Son of God and the, the ability that Jesus has over nature, over illness, over disease, over every aspect of life, Jesus has power and authority. This week, our vision has been blurred locally by smoke coming up over the hills, coming up over the Hills from the west as uh, fires are in Santa Clara uh, or Santa Cruz as well. And so that, um, that smoke kind of com- coming up over the hill and pouring into the valley and, and smoke from the north um, coming down from um, the area up by Vacaville and, and like Lake Berryessa. And that smoke seems to have been uh, driven south and filling, filling up this Santa Clara Valley. It's been kind of miserable, Right. And the air quality has been, been difficult at best um, sometimes. Every now and then, we, we've had this like, moment of, of clear air and blue sky. Um, but that's been hit and miss, and it's a bit unpredictable. So we, in our house, have been checking online maps and looking for evacuation orders. We kept checking every morning. Where's the fire? Has it gotten closer or further away? What's the situation? And every night before bed, can we rest in, in peace tonight? Can we sleep without the concern, without the worry that things are going to get dangerous for us? And we're miles from the fire, so it's not like it's, you know, very nearby, but closer than, well, too close for comfort, as they say. There has been confusion and misinformation, so it's not just been uh, the smoke that has made it difficult to see. It's been who knows what is accurate, and that has been complicated, especially with evacuation um, information. So there's an evacuation order, there's an evacuation warning, and apparently there's an evacuation watch that's a little bit bigger than the warning, and the city of Milpitas published some things that made it look like the evacuation was right uh, within about a third of a mile of our house. Makes it uneasy. And with that confusion and misinformation, panic can ensue if we're blindly following. Have you been blindly following before? So raise your hand. You can do this in your home and no one will know that you're raising your hand, so feel free unless your camera's on and, and people are watching you closely. But. Raise your hand if you believe everything you read online. I don't see any hands at all. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of things that we can see, a lot of um, things that get pushed in front of us, right, that isn't necessarily accurate, isn't necessarily true. A long time ago, I was still working as an engineer, I can... Remember what cubicle I was sitting in, um, which means it had to have been probably in about 2000, so 20 years ago. 
I forwarded an email because I had gotten it, I had read it, and it sounded like critical. And I forwarded it to some friends of mine, and a friend of mine named Janelle, um, she responded to it and recommended that I check. Um, I don't know if it was Snopes at that time, but it was something similar. Uh, check it out before forwarding this kind of email. And I was somewhat embarrassed that I had gotten kind of caught up in the, the way this email was written. How often do we wear blinders in our lives where, where we receive information and we blindly kind of follow that? For, for how many of us is our political leaning rooted in fact or is it rooted in expectation or party affiliation or history or hearsay or the public opinion of the moment or social media or mainstream media. This is an important time of year to be thinking about where we want to cast our vote, who should be worthy and earn our support. Or do we go through this process with blinders on not not paying attention to the reality? See? And the reality is maybe difficult to, to find sorting through misinformation and opinion and rhetoric and more. Here's another question. Do you immediately follow the doctor's orders? If the doctor says you need to you know, cut this out of your diet, you need to get this kind of exercise and have this kind of treatment, et cetera, et cetera, you immediately do it or you think about maybe getting a second opinion. Or <laughs> do you get on WebMD and, and make your own diagnosis? That's dangerous to do. That can be really scary because you can find things that the, the conditions that you have might be related to some really horrible disease when you might not have that at all. Or do you know someone who will give you advice on everything? Whatever it is, whatever the situation, will tell you what to do, how to live. We've been, uh, we've been watching a lot of movies for the last several months. Maybe you've been doing that too. When there's nowhere to go and nothing else to do, well, what's on Netflix or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime or whatever? So we, um, we found the Karate Kid uh, movies. The original ones with, um, what's the guy? Ralph Macchio and um, Mr. Miyagi. And so, so Ralph Macchio, you know, he's Daniel, he, who moves to a new community. And in the, the original movie, um, he, you know, he gets attacked by some guys that are learning, uh, learning martial arts at the Cobra Kai um, dojo. Right? And so he has this desire to learn how to do martial arts, so he learns that Mr. Miyagi, the maintenance man at the apartment complex where they live, can teach him. So he goes to see Mr. Miyagi, who has him wax his cars. And so he does, wax on, wax off. If you've seen the movie, you know this. It's just still there, right? It's familiar from 1980, whatever it was, that that movie came out. And paint the fence, right? And I forget which one, what was this one? And then there was some sanding that he did 
Oh, paint the house. Right, paint the house. Thanks, Gina. She remembered. And so he goes through these chores, and he feels like he's eventually going to earn the right to get some instruction. And, but he doesn't think that he's accomplishing anything. And so he's kind of feeling like, I'm ready to take the blinders off. I don't want to do this anymore when Mr. Miyagi reveals to him that there's been much more to it. That wax on, wax off, and paint the fence and paint the house is part of his training. He followed those instructions without realizing what was going to happen. Some people followed Jesus in somewhat of a way where they had blinders on. They were seeking something for themselves. How many of the followers of Jesus were really understanding who he was and believing in him as son of God and savior? Not even his disciples really qualify for that. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't understand his power. They, many followed him because of what he could do. Like after the feeding of the 5,000, for example, then, then there's crowds that follow. They learn where Jesus is going and they go there, right? If this one is able to feed 5,000 with a sack lunch, what more can he do? And here in Matthew chapter 9, now we've backed up in the narrative of Matthew earlier than even the feeding of the 5,000. But there's these men, and why are they following? Some followed Jesus with political aspirations. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for one who can rescue the nation and the people of Israel from the oppression of Rome. Some just wanted their needs met. Herod At the end of Jesus' life, we learn this as Jesus is on trial and they send him to Herod. And, oh, Herod wanted to see a miracle, so he was hoping for for a display. He was hoping for a show. Some wanted to be entertained. Nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. (laughs) So why do people follow Jesus? We often trust what we see. And so if we've seen something spectacular, and maybe even if we don't understand it, we want to know more, we want to learn more. And as they say, seeing is believing. There's also that expression, where there's smoke, there's fire. We've had plenty of smoke, and, well, thankfully, I haven't seen fire firsthand. Oftentimes, I want to see for myself. So, with the information that we've received for warnings and evacuations and things. I've wanted to know, so I've gone outside, even on our street, and looked up at the hills. Yesterday, we'd been out earlier in the day, and it was, it was okay. It still kind of had that, that camp smell where things were burning, uh, but it was a, we could tell it was at a distance. And in the afternoon, I stepped out in the backyard to do something, and I was just struck by the, the appearance of the sky and the air, and it was heavy, and it was, was much more, um, it, it smelled much worse. And I went out in the front where I can see a bit more, because with the trees and everything in the backyard, I can't see very far. So I went in, on, out onto the street, and, and from my street to the hills, which are literally right here, I couldn't see them very well. And I got kind of nervous, and I looked the other way and toward the west, and the whole valley seemed to be filled with smoke. 
I was nervous. I didn't know what did that mean. Where the fires had the wind shifted and the fires were getting closer. So I went in and I wanted to look online and find out details. So I looked for Cal Fire and I looked for the county's website with the fire information on it and some other things that we've been checking. And eventually I went to, well, a closer source. I got on social media and and checked on uh, people who live up the hill. And there was information there that made me feel a bit more at ease. We trust what we see. We want to see for ourselves Thomas after the resurrection of Jesus when he hears that Jesus has risen from the dead, wants to see for himself. We like proof, we like evidence, we like something tangible, and so it can be a challenge to see with eyes of faith. It can be a challenge to see with eyes of faith, but that's what we are called to do. There are blind men in this narrative from Matthew chapter 9 that follow Jesus. Blind men followed him. This is verse 27. As Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him. They wanted healing. The rest of the verse says that they called on him, have mercy on us, son of David. Last week, the interaction with the Canaanite woman whose daughter was um, possessed by the demon, she had used that same title, son of David. And that title is attributed to Jesus in Matthew 1, verse 1. This is the book about Jesus, son of David. Fulfillment of prophecy, one who was to come. So they used that title. They were blind, but not blindly following. They believed. It goes on in verse 28. The blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Do you believe? Similar to the mother last week, they, they had an opportunity to to declare their faith, to, to make it known it was more than lip service, to back up the, the following and even the calling upon Jesus. They called upon him. They believed in him. And they, even in their blindness, were following Jesus. See, faith sees beyond our vision. The blind men had the expectation and even the the belief that Jesus could heal them. But those who did not believe didn't understand the things that Jesus did. Even though they saw the power of God in Jesus. After this scene with the blind men, then it goes on and describes how Jesus healed and cast out demons. And in verse 34, the the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the prince of of demons. At the end of Romans chapter 11, in our our first reading for today, the Apostle Paul writes these words in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. God's beyond our understanding. The power of God is beyond what we can ask or think. Talked about that a few weeks ago. 
that, that God is more than we could even comprehend with our minds, that, that the power of God is not going to make sense to us in our reason, by our strength, with our minds, with our capacity. And the Pharisees are an example of it, but even for us, there are times when our reason wants to take over. When our minds want to think what's reason, what's, what makes sense to us. See, it's still true that those who don't believe don't understand what Jesus did. People who don't have faith can't understand Jesus' miracles. It doesn't make sense. Like, how would a touch from Jesus heal these men in their eyes? It doesn't make sense. How could he heal every disease and affliction? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Doubt may even flash through our minds, and from time to time it, it maybe does. I, I know I've had my moments where I think that doesn't make sense. How could that possibly work? How could that even be true? But I believe. We, not understand, we might not understand the, the how or the why of what Jesus does, but faith helps us see. Because for you and me, in this world in which we live, following Jesus takes great faith. We believe what we can't see. We trust in what we cannot touch. And we receive Blessings, some of which are intangible, like peace and joy, that might not even make sense. That peace that passes understanding. Intangible blessings from our God who is, in a lot of ways, intangible. Right now in our lives and in our world, it can be really easy to feel discouraged. There's a pandemic going on. You know that. There are wildfires burning. You know that too. Students dealing with distance learning. Well, and their teachers as well. This feeling of isolation as we've sheltered in place for this long. And the separation that we feel from people with whom we used to be close and now months have gone by and we barely talk to each other. We see issues, problems, worries, concerns. Rather than focus on those things, let's see Jesus. Let's see. Let's see Jesus. Behold the man. Pontius Pilate said those words during Jesus' trial. He brought Jesus out before the, before the crowd, behold the man. We need to behold the man. We need to see him. The blind men saw Jesus physically after they were healed, but they saw him by faith first. And he's like nothing seen before. As Jesus was healing and doing all the things that he did, the crowds, this is in verse 33 of of Matthew 9, the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. Jesus is unique. 
in the history of the world. Never was anything seen like this, not just in Israel, but among the population of the planet. Because Jesus stands alone as the incarnate Son of God, born by the power of the Spirit as we confessed in the creed, conceived in a way that makes no sense, with abilities to do things that wouldn't make sense. See Jesus, the unique one, the only one, his power, the power of God at work in him. His power over nature, over disease, even over death. But not just power. Jesus looks with compassion. In verses 35 and 36, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. This is how Jesus sees. Jesus looks with compassion on the crowds, they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd, it says. He had compassion on those who were marginalized and went near them. He had compassion over the sick and he healed them. He had compassion for widows, for orphans, for the downtrodden, for those who had suffered. He had compassion. He has compassion for us too. He gives us grace. He offers us love and mercy. And by the power of the Spirit, we can discern what is good. We can see Jesus. Discern what is good. God is beyond our knowledge and our understanding. His ways are inscrutable, but by the power of the Spirit at work in us, we can see. And we are transformed. Romans 12, verse 2, this is at the end of our first reading. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We can discern what is good. We can see what is right. We can focus on what is holy. We can look for goodness. We can see God at work. What does that look like right now? That looks like seeing God at work even in the midst of wildfires that are burning. That's seeing God at work when the wind shifts and, and the fire can be directed around a town. Not every house has been spared and lives have been lost. And and that's the part of it that makes it hard and and makes it hard to understand and and see God at work when, when tragedies are happening. But we can see God even at work in in tragedy. We can see God at work. A pandemic is happening, but many are staying healthy. People are receiving help. It hasn't escalated exponentially like there were some fears that it would do. We can see God at work. We're separated and isolated, but we have this technology, then we can communicate this way. 
we can see God at work and recognize that, that we still have relationships. And even people we haven't talked to in months are still our friends. We can see God at work, knowing that there's more to come, knowing that the, the, the burden and the heaviness that we might feel right now isn't forever. Let's see God at work. Let's pray that he open our eyes, and let's see what God can do. Beyond our expectation. More than we ask or think. Let's look for Jesus. Amen.